1: welcome back everybody hello hello how are you hello everyone what are you up to hello Um, martine hello wendy hello everyone everybody 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 around the world hello france hello around the world matt you've been looking into something i have (laughs) Right,
0: it's the darndest thing. You go shooting down a rabbit hole. Somebody puts three words together and all of a sudden, bam.
1: How did it happen? How did you come across I this don't thing? Even, I don't even know. You guys, Matt has been talking about this social, What? You, how do you call it again? Social, social comparison? Social
0: comparison theory.
1: Social comparison theory for weeks now. And he's been wanting to talk to you all about it. And so finally, here we are. What's going on? What is it? <laughs>
0: gotta love psychiatrists psychologists sociologists etc 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 particularly back in the 50s it's almost like they had nothing better to do and so they took all these poor people and they did all sorts of terrible amazing twisted experiments Stanford Prince Prison Prison that experiment ooh scary but I don't want to talk about that one that's just wrong.
1: What do you mean by poor people?
0: Um, like, well, they would financially poor people. No, not financially like poor, but like they
1: took advantage you, of people. You walk
0: into a an experiment and you have no idea what they're going to do to you.
1: Why did people agree to do all this stuff? Like we hear about this all the time. They got paid.
0: They got paid.
1: Well, I'm sure the white people got paid. I'm sure other. L- well, this less is- fortunate people had no idea what was happening to them. Like you always hear about crazy experiments done on people. That
0: is true. And this is crazy from a psychological perspective. It's not crazy as far as like running electroshocks or any of the rest of that through them.
1: Okay. So what is that?
0: Okay. So back in the 50s, crazy. God. There's this guy, Festinger. I think he was somewhere in the middle of the Midwest. But he was trying to figure out how people like to arrange themselves into groups, peer groups, social groups, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so he started really trying to get an understanding of what that means. And, you know, it's something we do now, but I think we do it now on a global scale. There is no kind of regional or citywide. It's hard to measure yourself against other people in your peer group because peer groups are now infinitely huge and you make certain assumptions about who is and isn't in your peer group
1: well do people do we even have peer groups anymore because it feels like we don't really have that community anymore so it's more like you're seeing people on tv and you're seeing people that are famous out there and we try to relate to all these people that are unrelatable you know, like people used to watch the Kardashians. Right. You know, right. and what how how in the world can you relate to these people?
0: And they're unrelatable. Well, and that's the weird part is because they try as hard as they can to be relatable. It was like when Bush was running for president. I was just you know, Bush I was junior. just a little little boy at this point. But when he was running for president, they made a big deal about the owner of the Houston Astros, Texans, I don't know, baseball team. God help me, going to get crucified for that. Anyways, they made a huge deal about him going to Walmart to buy socks.
1: I remember that. Like, oh, look at how he's just like one of us because he buys his socks from Walmart.
0: Right. He took those socks and threw them away 30 seconds after he left that. I mean. I
1: mean, come on. Yeah.
0: You know, he probably had custom hand knitted socks from virgin wool from blah, blah, blah. And it
1: was like, it was all over the news. Like, ooh, George Bush buys socks from Walmart. And that. Look at how he's one of us. And
0: that makes him relatable.
1: But it was such an opportunistic, like... It
0: depends on which side of political spectrum you live on, how you react to that.
1: But that was publicity. That was pure It was great publicity. publicity.
0: Exactly. But that makes him relatable. And so what we're seeing in this day and age of the influencer, et cetera, et cetera, these people want to be relatable to the maximum number of people possible. And so they can afford and can curate the experience of seeing them... Of, quote unquote, being with them in a very relatable way. And so you start to, we can't help it. It's kind of like we're wired to compare ourselves to these people. And you can't compare yourselves to them. But we do. But we can't help it. But, 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 but. And so this is why sometimes we get excited when we view one of these like pop celebrities as being bad. Like what... um Elon Musk is currently going through over Twitter. He's getting raked over the coals. And from a subjective point of view, it's, it's a little
1: daunting and uncomfortable. Oh my God, I so wanna say something right now. But
0: that makes us quote unquote, feel better about ourselves because we can't help but compare ourselves to others in our peer groups. And this is one of the things he determined. And also, and this is a really messed up part is once we've decided who's in our peer group, We will literally go out of our way to keep them in our peer group, to keep them quote unquote down.
1: What do you mean by that?
0: Well, he, again, welcome to the world of experimentation. So he formed these, he figured out how to pair people. He figured out how to build these peer groups and he would have people inside of them that generally share the same opinions, similar abilities, because this is also how we differentiate ourselves. And he would manipulate the environment in such a way that you would make the decision as to whether or not to keep down somebody in your peer group. And most people voted to keep, most people took steps to keep them down. How messed up is that?
1: Wait, I you always lose me here mm-hmm. and I don't know why. Can you re-explain that again?
0: Yeah, yeah, and this was one of the more kind of uncomfortable like factoids he kind of he dug out of this so he he created these groups and these groups were generally concerned with people of similar socioeconomic, similar socioeconomic um folks similar opinions similar abilities even and he constructed an experiment where one person in the group could perhaps be seen as being no longer belonging or moving out out and up, upwardly mobile out of this social group. But you and or you and someone else could choose to block that. And I don't remember exactly what the crux of the matter was, what the particular experiment, how you were able to do this. But they found out that in like 70% of cases, they would actually Block the person from leaving their social group and keeping them down.
1: Is this like the crab theory, like how they talk about a bunch of crabs in a bucket? When one crab figures out how to leave the bucket, they pull him down. Yeah, they maybe. pull the crab. Down. Have you heard of this? I have. Is it like that?
0: I think so. Um, it's just.
1: And why is that? Is <sighs> that because people feel threatened that their group will disappear if one person leaves? Well, I, then everybody else can leave and you'll like, be the only one that's not successful. I
0: think it's like what we go through every time, you know, every, it's it, it feels like every time we decide to move, people take offense to the fact that we would dare leave our current location, which is typically where these people are. Like, why would you ever want to leave? Dot, dot, dot.
1: Yeah. A lot of people stopped being friends with us once they realized the miles involved in our move right? they like said oh okay well I guess that's it for our friendship they literally said that right I'm like really it's a small world seriously like you wouldn't want to have a friend over here that you can visit or like have a connection with they literally ended the friendship
0: right and it's, it's so bizarre in this day and age where you know we're
1: so global
0: we're so global communications are so global and we're able to Video chat, phone, we can literally text anybody any second of the day, but even video chat, we figured out how to overcome most of the barriers there.
1: It's like what you say, we offend or people get offended because they feel like you're insulting their way of life.
0: Right, but that's us moving out of a peer group. That's how they perceive it. And in point of fact, that's kind of how we're wired to perceive it because we're used to having a peer group we can physically be present with. Our Elks Lodge, our Boy Scout troop, our high school class, our, you know, fill in whatever blanks you want there.
1: So what do you think the deal is? Why why do people try to block you?
0: Great, great question. If you ask anybody, and I mean anybody. How do you compare yourself in gen, and you say in general, which isn't a fair statement because people always kind of think about their peer groups, they don't think about the world, but if you ask everybody, you know, how good of a driver are you, or how good looking are, do you think you are, or, 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 or. the most common answer is?
1: Above average? Exactly. It's like that documentary we saw twenty something years Mm -hmm. ago. Yeah, it's people like us.
0: It circles around that exact same train, absolutely.
1: So we saw this documentary that was done by these guys. I think they were from New Jersey or something. Or maybe It was an East Coasty thing. Yeah, they these two men did this documentary. And then recently, somewhat recently, there was a movie called the same title. It's not that. This was this was a documentary (laughs) that was done. We saw it on PBS or something, didn't we?
0: Yeah, and then we had to track it down.
1: Yeah, we had to track it. We bought it. We'd like track down the creators of it because we were so impressed by their work. We bought a DVD back then. Um, (laughs) But it was called People Like Us and it was about the social class system in the United States. It was mind-blowing. They went to
0: Appalachia. They went to Jack and Jill Club. They went to upper class. They went...
1: They covered things that I I wasn't even aware of that existed in our culture. Right. It was fascinating. But what everyone had in common was, well, not uh, everyone but those truly affluent people, what everyone else had in common was they always thought they were of a higher class than they actually were. Well. And so, they, they like always people, felt they were
0: above average inside of that class, like Anyways.
1: above average beauty, of above average intelligence, above average, uh, financially. Until
0: like, until you got to like the really wealthy, and they would always say they were middle class.
1: Isn't that interesting?
0: Or upper middle, <laughs> that's as high as people would generally go.
1: But like, remember they were showing this one kid who lived out of a trailer. Was it? Was he from the Appalachian? appalachia mountains i don't
0: think that was the appalachia piece
1: um he was basically living in total poverty no running water no electricity he lived in a decrepit like broken down um what do you call those things it was a trailer a trailer and he barely had teeth he was a young guy and he said he was middle class right interesting anyway
0: but that's just it. We perceive ourselves to be a little bit better than the average person in our peer group. And so when somebody leaves our peer group or starts to assert that they're quote unquote better than us, and where it gets fascinating is he took a look at two facets of peer groups, which is people's opinions and people's abilities. And unfortunately for for you, if you know you're you're grouped together by abilities and it's it's all about how fast you can run a mile, that's an objective measure. You can absolutely say who's faster than you and who's not. So that's there's a comfort there, but we do something similar with opinions. So typically people want to hang out and associate with people whose opinions are similar to theirs. Welcome to the welcome to the world, welcome to certainly the United States in 2022. 2023 and so when people are moving out of that peer group you know their their opinions are shifting and that makes people uncomfortable and they want to drag people back to where they are because that gives them comfort because you know this if this is yet someone else who agrees with my opinion
1: mm-hmm. yeah and it's a protect protection thing like looking for people of the similar opinion as yours if you're looking for that Right now, I would say I'll speak for myself. If I do seek that out, it's because I'm looking for comfort in numbers. Right. Because I don't. I'm. You know. I'm tired of running into um, racist, anti-Semitic, like people out there. And I know if uh, if I meet someone of a certain political belief. If I meet someone who has a certain political belief that is similar to mine, that it's safer for me because I know chances are they're not a Nazi. They're not a neo-Nazi, that they're not whatever. Go down the list of things that I think is dangerous towards me. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I want to therefore be around people with similar opinions. and Right. And yet
0: you even you'll you'll have issues with people who are kind of soundly, I I suppose, in the middle.
1: I think we've gotten to a place where if you're in the middle, for me, it's a deal breaker. I can't handle it. In the middle. Yeah. In the middle is a deal breaker for me because like, yeah, in the middle. So you can't decide if this Nazi is good or not.
0: Well, maybe you've decided they're not good and you're not voting for them, but you're still a moderate.
1: But for me, that's a life and death issue right there. So if you're in the middle about that, you're going to be in the middle about possibly saving well, or destroying my life. So I'm just, I'm I don't just talking want about a
0: moderate now. I'm not talking about someone who's like tilting one way or the other. I'm just talking about somebody who I don't know. Maybe they have a a, a jumble of kind of left wing and right wing kind of thoughts and beliefs.
1: I think I understand what you're saying, but what I'm saying is. If I feel so threatened that if this person isn't on board with me 100%, then I don't want that person in my circle.
0: And there you go. And that's how we tend to arrange ourselves in social groups. Right. Right? Yeah. And and in point of fact, and there you go. That's another thing he found in like 1954, he's doing this stuff. And, you know, we haven't evolved really from here at all. But he figured out, I mean, here's the word divergent. If you're too divergent, he discovered that's it. You're out. You're out of the group or people in that group won't even want to talk to you, which is exactly what you're describing.
1: Hmm. It happens in business too at the office. I was divergent Mm -hmm. and asked to leave. It seemed like a lot.
0: (laughs) And there you go. And, And there are ways of being convergent. What's that? Well, like I remember one of the things that kind of, made people think very well of me is when i joined the football pool at work particularly because i didn't do as well as maybe i should have i was below average in it which made everybody feel good who was part of that social group except for me of course because i sucked but
1: hey (laughs) do you see a do you personally think that there's a way out of this
0: this is how we're wired, and we just need to understand that this is this is where we are. But where uh, where the problem that I was coming to it from is where we kind of started, which is where we have this nasty habit of, let's say, finding an influencer because they make funny videos or they say things that I agree with and comparing ourselves to this person who's living this carefully curated, perfect Facebook life.
1: You know what that reminds me of? Is can I interrupt or do, do yeah, you feel free? Okay. So this reminds me of the person that you turned me onto years ago, Guy Kawasaki, uh, Guy. Guy Kawasaki. And this one book that you shared with me way back then, one of his books was, um, the art of the start. Yep. Was that what it, what it was? Mm-hmm. And it was when the minis were coming in. Remember those minis, the cars, they, they redid the minis. Like the old school minis and then everyone started driving the minis. And he was saying, take a good look at who's driving these minis. Because it seemed like such a young car, a young hip car that, you know, like the kids would buy it. But he's like, take a look at who's driving the minis. Guaranteed, in almost all the cases, the driver will be a white haired person. Meaning an old person. (laughs) And he was right. As soon as I read that and I looked, every owner of a mini that I saw had white gray hair. Right. And what he was saying was that advertisers sell down.
0: They sell youth.
1: Right. So if they want something to sell to the older crowd, they make it seem like it's being sold to the kids. So, and so it's true. And the, And what you were pointing out was, well, the kids can't afford that car.
0: Right. Absolutely not. Well, back then the kids couldn't afford it. Right. Right.
1: And so it kind of makes me think of that in that these influencers that we see that seem like they're so like us. If you look, they're living in huge, beautiful mansions, like really expensive houses.
0: Right. But you got to pay attention and you have to be consciously Objectively meaning uh logically thinking it through versus emotionally and they're tugging at your emotions all the time. Yeah,
1: but once you look at it, you can't ever unlock, you can't ever turn back from it. It's like years ago when we really took a look at the shows we were watching on TV or movies, you know, like uh remember the show Friends? Nobody could afford that kind of apartment in New York City. And then as soon as one person mentioned it, everybody's like, "Oh my God, that's right. No, how in the world?" And yeah, in the show they said whatever it was handed down because of her grandmother, but their lifestyle, but you look at all their movies, it, when you look at movies in general, they're always living in this beautiful, huge place, even when they're dirt poor. and just, you know, it makes you relate, but at the same time, you're striving to be this. And it's, it's, and it, it kind of leaves you feeling sad and stuck that you're never going to achieve it. It's like, you're never going, oh, it's like, you you mentioned this to me, Matt, years ago that the dream that it's impossible. Okay. I'm going to say it wrong, Matt. You have to help me out. (laughs) But like, it's impossible to actually live the dream. Like how they say, oh, you know, um, you you can you can build anything you want in America. You can do anything you want. you can achieve any kind of status you want. But truly is that the case?
0: well let's let's be super careful there, okay. No,
1: but do you remember the conversation? i I could do. you replay it because I don't remember the exact words?
0: I said the American dream by and large is unattainable. That's what I said. Yeah. however. And this is the fun part, and this is why people still pursue it. It's not completely impossible. It's not zero point zero 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 percent impossible. It's very very difficult to land it, and the pictures that were fed, which were things you know, say post war boom,
1: post World War Two,
0: post World War Two boom. Yes, the post war boom. Because we're at the war all the time, and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um. this would have been 1940s, late 1940s, 1950s, early 1960s, you know, you could get a job in a factory and you could afford a multiple-bedroom suburban house.
1: You could afford a washing machine. You could afford a car. Like, everybody was into... It was around the world. I remember Canada. We watched this other documentary on food and how Canada was pretty much the same way. Like, everybody... During the World War II era, they were rationing everything—food, like you—you mm-hmm. you could only eat certain things, you could only wear certain things. Everything was rationed. Right. And and then all of a sudden, that fear was lifted, and people were more liberated. And then they started celebrating. They could eat whatever they want. They started eating lots of meat, which they couldn't before. They had more luxuries. Yes. And so more more and more of that kept happening. And then from my perspective, I feel like it's when you are starving, if you are hungry, if you're left to not have something for a long time or for a time that is very influential on your spirit, you can't ever really get over that. So I think that explains the 1980s and 90s, the excess, the excess. (laughs) Right. The access to the excess, you know, you they, it wasn't enough. No. Big is never big enough. Nope. Big enough is never t- big. Right. It, it was, you, could, you couldn't get enough. It's like when you watch an animal that's been starving and it gets food and it keeps eating and eating and eating and it'll eat itself to death.
0: Sometimes, yes.
1: And I feel like that's what our society, especially in the, in the United States, kind of... That's what happened,
0: right? And that's that was kind of the conversation we were having at that point. Was you know the the classic American dream story is not impossible, but it's pretty flipping difficult. And I think it's kind of stayed there to this point because what you yeah what you have is you have you know the point oh 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 one percent is just getting richer and richer and richer. And you know if I'm working and my spouse is working full time, you know, maybe we're not making ends meet, maybe we're just barely making ends meet, things start to get super tricky there. And so that's really, that's really the danger. And that's kind of my central point from where I started on this thing is, as soon as we start comparing ourselves to a, to a Kardashian, or to a, uh, one of these influencers who doesn't have to work, For a living because they've already, you know, they have sponsors and they have, I mean, work for a living is a misnomer because they're working pretty gosh darn hard to get their influencers and get their free product and get their, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But. You know, maybe they got lucky, maybe not. Who knows? And Maybe, maybe young, they
1: had um, maybe connections. They, maybe they
0: had connections. Maybe they had family money they're not talking about. Mm-hmm. Maybe, 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 maybe.
1: They had to have something to achieve the level of success that they have.
0: And there you go. And they but make are you, you feel
1: like you too can do this and you can't.
0: Well, are you now speaking as somebody who's trying to keep them down or trying to keep yourself down or self-limiting or a million other things? And that also feeds into this whole social mm-hmm. comparison theory, which is tricky. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because I feel separated. Because you
0: want to be above average and maybe.
1: Well, I too would like to get out of the slump financially that I'm in. Right. You know, I would like to succeed in my career, which I've been struggling at for my entire life. It feels like, you know, and I see these guys doing it. And they're like, and then, you know, then they sell packages like you too can do it. Just follow me or go to my workshops and pay this amount. And and I will show you how, and they can't, they don't, because they don't, it's like recipes, recipes that are given to you by, I don't know, very influential bakers or chefs out there. They'll never give you the exact recipe so you can never achieve exactly what they are doing well
0: and and here's the fun part if we take this baking analogy one more step further because there's a zen saying that you can't step in the same river at the same spot ever because the water's always flowing but taking the recipe example you don't have their oven you don't have their altitude you don't have this precise brand of flour you don't have these fresh fruits that were grown in this area you don't and it's the same way i think with a lot of people who would tell you well you can replicate my success well the world changes every single day Mm -hmm. and just because something worked three months ago or six months ago or a year ago doesn't mean it's going to work today and it just doesn't and so you that's why you have to if you're looking at business and this is a terrible well this is a challenging place to get business advice as it were but you have to be limber and that's really that's really the key
1: and i think when I realized years ago and I've forgotten lately and I just realized it listening to you, years ago I told myself, Stop looking at fashion magazines, stop yes, looking at did. other photographers, just do your own thing. There you go. And I felt so happy when I did that. I couldn't care less about anybody else and what anyone else was doing. And I knew that the work that I was doing was coming from my own spirit and whatever was guiding me and there you around go around me that was happening that was happening naturally and no matter what anyone said about my work i was confident in it because it came from my heart and i knew that it came from my own source
0: right right and honestly my biggest takeaway from this whole thing was we kind of can't help comparing ourselves to people we just kind of can't help it but we need to make sure to compare ourselves both up as well as down So the people were more fortunate then and the people were less fortunate then to kind of keep ourselves in balance. Because if we spend too much time looking either up or down, which is a terrible way of putting things and makes people feel uncomfortable. But if we constantly are comparing ourselves to people who are, quote unquote, light years above us, we're going to feel terrible. If we keep comparing ourselves only to people who are light years below us, whatever that means to you or doesn't mean to you ultimately that's still not going to be very fulfilling for us
1: well what if you do neither one and just keep fo- focusing on your own self? well is that and, too and there you go but and... is that too um what's the word
0: narcissistic
1: no oh my god <laughs> i was not gonna say that <laughs> no i was gonna say is that too introverted
0: oh well and that's fair too a narcissist is an introvert <gasps> on some level because they're what? always they're always looking inward at themselves oh my god but anyways um <gasps> No, I wouldn't. But I would say that, you know, you are one of the rare breed who can do that. I think most people cannot. We can't help but compare ourselves to others.
1: Well, I've been pretty miserable lately because I have been comparing myself to others.
0: <laughs> and there you go. But
1: I'm going to go back. I'm I'm going back to just doing my own thing. I, I started that actually a couple of weeks ago. Fair enough. But it's hard to get back to that because it's so hard not to. It's, it's, it's hard to stop looking where you were looking. It's hard to stop looking at the social media. It's it's hard because it's everywhere now. And that's just it. Even Uh, if you get off social media, it's still around you. Right.
0: So I think if you're currently finding glee at the misfortunes of others, because we're getting an interesting influx of that right now, check yourself. If you're feeling bad because you're looking at other people who are, quote unquote, more fortunate than yourself, check yourself. Just, you know try and figure out a balance in there somewhere of feeling just good about where you're at.
1: Yeah. And I think the key is to just be quiet and go out to nature. And if you're not surrounded by nature at night, looking up at the sky and just letting that take over you and turning off all that noise. Well, that was really good, honey. Thanks. Let's continue the conversation. And we'll talk to you in a few days. Take care. Again, thank you so much for listening. Talk to you later. Be well. Bye.